I'm Lauren, and I'm a veterinarian. I'm JJ, and I'm a veterinary technician. And you're listening to IntroVets, a veterinary podcast by introverts with high-functioning anxiety. Welcome, everybody, to IntroVets Podcast. Hi. The snack episode. So, JJ, I've yep. got a couple of clinical updates to talk with you about. Sweet. Well... One of them is a clinical update. One of them is a important piece of info. I have a couple of fascinating items to discuss with you. Some veterinary tea, if you will. Um, sure. Mm, yeah, some of it. Yeah, unfortunately, yeah, fits into that category. Okay, so I'm gonna start from the top here and tell you about the things. Tell me. Um, and because we just recorded the first full-length episode of the season. And now we're recording the snack-sized episode. This is the most JJ has talked in a a lot of time. (laughs) And so we don't want to push her voice to the max. So instead of taking turns with articles like normal, I am going to read all the articles and information today. And JJ is going to provide color commentary and fascinating insight. I'm going to attempt to be funny. That's right. And (laughs) so that we can prevent her from wearing her voice out completely and then we will have you know like a solid full week of voice rest in between now and then mm-hmm. in between now and the next time that we record and we're gonna see if we can get through the season that way i think we can yeah i feel good about it, it it's still kind of working have you what has your um voice what's your voice person called again speech therapist speech pathologist speech pat what have they said about the podcast and um well i've only been there once i was supposed to go back uh next week i think but actually i think it's go back monday that i mentioned that i do a podcast okay yeah she kind of looked at me like not right now you ain't so oh well what uh oh. <laughs> my voice has improved since then. JJ so. has not been medically cleared for the podcast. Well, that I mean, is maybe not information I fully understand. No, okay. it's, it's just more of not, she just meant as like, you can't talk right now. So, not yeah. that I shouldn't. I see. Uh, yeah. She was making a statement about the quality of your voice. Yes. Yeah, there was lots of huh (laughs) going on in that room. So things have improved since then. Yeah. I think it's good to use it, you know, some as long as I rest it in between. Yeah. Which, who am I going to talk to? Me. (laughs) And Fizz Geek, who is here in the studio with us today. Yep, he's wandering around. He's not normally here. He he likes his mom a little too much. So he has a tendency to squeak. Which is I'm anxiously attached. Yeah. We're working on it. Here you get booey. Oh, no, that's, what? That's sneeze. That's oh, big sneeze. We've been training sneeze. You've been training sneeze? Mm-hmm. You train him to sneeze? Yep. Okay. Well. He's smart. For, because it's, it's cute. A trip. I yeah. see. Fizzy, come here. Come here. Can you, can you speak to the audience? Yep. Speak. Oh, good boy. Oh, my goodness. Oh, God, he's disgustingly cute. Okay. JJ. Yeah. I am going to tell you about a new parvovirus treatment. Ooh. Scandalous. Right. Well, (laughs) scandalous. Sure. Yeah. I I don't do not. 
we that's do, not really we scandalous. Are, please don't please don't sue us. It, we, <laughs> we are not saying that it's scandalous. Even though we did literally say that. That's not what we meant. Let's try another word. Here we go. Ooh, exciting. Ooh, exciting. That's right. Okay, Elanco, we are excited and find it no suspiciousness. Okay, here we go. Elanco has announced a new canine parvovirus monoclonal antibody treatment. Mm. Now, for the rest of me talking about this, we're going to call it CPMA. Because that is the abbreviation that I am seeing in in any of the literature I can find. I don't know if it's one of those times where you spell the acronym out or if you do like Kumpa, you know, or something like that. I would say that. CPMA. I like Because it. I can't say canine parvovirus monoclonal antibody treatment every single time I need to. Mm, no. I just can't deal with it. That would get old. It is. Okay, yes. So. It has been granted conditional licensing by the USDA. Ooh. This is based on a study of 28 eight-week-old puppies. Oh. Of the puppies who were treated with CPMA, none of them died during treatment. That's which is great. pretty exciting. Very much so. The puppies with CPMA stopped vomiting faster and had decreased inappetence and decreased lethargy compared to the puppies who were treated without the monoclonal antibody. Sweet. CPMA is administered as a single-dose IV. The product is stored frozen and then thawed prior to administration, and it can be used in puppies as young as six weeks of age. Data published on Ilanka's website indicates that 71% of the puppies who did not receive the CPMA had severe diarrhea lasting two or more days, compared to only 14% of the puppies receiving the CPMA. It's a pretty big difference. Yeah. And only 10% of the puppies treated with CPMA had vomiting for three or more days, and that's compared with 43% of the puppies who did not receive it. So again, a pretty big difference. Yeah. Now, clinical research into this is ongoing. So this was really like the first trial. It was granted conditional approval based on that trial. But more research is going to be needed. So this is something that we need to watch really closely. The source for this information is both the information published on Alonka's website and an article from AHA by Kristen Green Seymour from May 2023. So this is like hot off the presses. Mm-hmm. Now, I've not been able to read the actual study that I just talked about. I don't think it's publicly available. So, handouts from Milanco only say that the results are, quote, on file. But this is not necessarily unusual because when a drug is going through approval, companies a lot of times will keep those initial studies kind of close to the vest. They obviously share them with the USDA, uh, but they don't necessarily publish them yet for everyone to see. More information is probably going to be released soon, and once that happens, we'll plan to do a deeper dive into the research and maybe dedicate more time in the snack episode or even a full episode about the use of this treatment and and what it entails. But for now, it seems super promising. This is the only treatment ever developed for parvovirus beyond, like, supportive care, right? Yeah, that's amazing. Now, this is very exciting, uh, but before we switch topics, I just want to reiterate that the best way to manage parvovirus is to not have to manage it at all. Yep. 
by vaccinating your damn puppies. Yes. Okay, please. so vaccines for parvo are inexpensive, safe, and highly effective. Please vaccinate your puppies. Please continue to recommend vaccination for puppies. For the love. This treatment in no way means that we are in the age of just letting dogs get parvo because no, it's still expensive. Mm -hmm. And I can't look at the study to tell you like, here's what all the patients were treated with and things like that. But from the wording on the website, I can tell that all of them were hospitalized. So it's probably not going to be a situation where it's like, Oh, here's a single shot IV of this and it's cured forever. It's probably going to be, part of a broader supportive care system for management of these patients. Um, so it's probably not going to be just like a one and done quick fix type of thing. It's going to continue yeah. to involve hospitalization and, you know, major risk and quality of life concerns. So yeah. vaccinate your dogs. Please. Please. I just think it's very exciting. Yeah. You know, even with people doing vaccines, they're still breakthrough cases are still shelter mm-hmm. issues hopefully when it comes out it's not going to be majorly expensive because but it well, probably will <laughs> i don't know anything about cost like, or anything well, if like you that make it expensive great but you know let the shelters yeah. have at a discounted rate or something but. i mean yeah i can't speak for alonco uh, for yeah. sure uh cannot do that and you know you'll everybody will have to ask their individual reps about price point information And right now, with conditional approval, I honestly don't fully know who all will be, like, able to order it right now and even use it. So I think that asking your Elanco rep about those questions is going to be good. Anytime, though, you have a new drug come out, it's going to be expensive because just think of all of the research and time and effort that went into developing it, you know. So it's so tough. I mean... On the one hand, there is a high level of need. And as we talked before in our Parvo episode, unfortunately, areas of, you know, lower socioeconomic status tend to see more cases of Parvo. Um, And so cost of treatment is an even more compounded concern. However, we, you know, just the reality of the society that we live in, they have to charge for it so absolutely uh, so it's always tough but you know we'll see kind of how it how it shakes out but i'm wondering if you know we're gonna hopefully find that maybe the patients spend much fewer days in the hospital and maybe that would significantly balance out or even overall reduce the cost of care because if you think i kind of think of parvo as like five to seven days in the hospital unless you're lucky what if this reduced that time substantially? Then mm-hmm. even if the medicine itself is expensive, it's a one-time shot. You don't have to repeat it, you know? That's the most appealing part, yeah. really. Yeah, And even think about, like, um, okay, so the pa- patients, like, where the owners are like, we cannot afford hospitalization. What are the applications of outpatient treatment? We did a whole episode on Parvo in the snack-sized episode was kind of a companion piece that talked about, like, cost and outpatient treatment. And we went, went through that study about outpatient care and how even in that study they actually hospitalized the outpatient group, which is not something that most people know. And I'm wondering if 
you know, we might see in, say, five, 10 years, more research that shows that this helps a lot and is a much more effective outpatient method. Yeah. For me, that would be a big deal because imagine if you could avoid hospitalization altogether. That That would save thousands of dollars per case. Yeah. And lots of staff manpower and absolutely stress on the dog. Stress. Yes. And then hot. I think I told you before, like hot parvo smell is like the worst. (laughs) Like I hate it so bad. If I never have to treat another case of parvo again, it'll be too soon, you know? So like just, you know, God, decrease staff stress and improve quality of life is Mm -hmm. right. Because my God. I've manned the Parvo ward in some student situations and like, yeah. like that'll probably be what my personal hill is. <laughs> I mean, I may have told this story before too, but like the, one of the first like big deals that I had to handle as a brand new assistant mm-hmm. was a, a litter of, I think there was a total of nine and one of them did die, Akita puppies. Mm, yeah. And I had to basically be responsible for their treatment over the weekend, and this was the 90s. Mm-hmm. So we had, like, IVs on coat hangers, and, you know, I, basically as soon as like I Like, no got, pump. You're just no, dripping it. No pumps. Yeah. yeah, I didn't see a pump until I got to tech school. So, <laughs> yeah, I used free dripping it. And basically as soon as I got done with one round of given meds, it was time to start the other. I pretty much lived at the clinic that yeah. weekend. But Ooh, girl. Yeah. Yeah. Who yeah. hadn't been there? Mm. But, yeah, what if we could just, like, not... What if we could skip that part? That'd be great. That would be amazing. So, jury's still out, really. We have the one study. We have the conditional approval. We need more information. Uh, But it's something that I'm very excited about. Yeah. uh, And I'm really hoping, (laughs) please be a better option. Uh, But still, please vaccinate your pets, okay? Because, for real, let's just not get part Mm. of them at all. No. Okay. Well, I've got another thing for you. Okay. Now, I did purposely make this second so that we could be like, yay, a parvo treatment development, because this one is kind of a bummer. Oh, no. Okay, but it's important, I think, for us to go over. Okay, so I'm going to be talking with you about a very tragic human death from rabies. Mm. Okay, and this does involve a child. Mm. So we've got a trigger warning there. If you do not want to hear about this, you can skip forward a few minutes to the end of the episode where we're going to be doing our favorite thing to recover from this. (laughs) Before we get into the case, I want to say that my goal in covering this is to highlight the importance of continuing education for the public regarding the very real risks of rabies. It is not my goal to point fingers, to blame or shame anyone, particularly the family or parents in this situation, okay? Mm -hmm. We have to talk about these issues because we have to be more proactive about letting the public know what the risks are. It's easy for the public to sort of brush off or minimize issues with potential rabies exposure because rabies is no longer an in-your-face disease like it was 50 to 100 years ago. The general fear of rabies has dramatically declined. People think of it in the U.S. especially as something that you're just probably not going to get. And I can't, I can't even tell you how many people would offhand mention to me things like, oh, yeah, we woke up and there was a bat in the room with us. And I'm like, 
did you immediately go to the hospital? No, we were fine. And I'm like, y'all, y'all are like, no, (laughs) you know, like bats. (laughs) No, you don't fuck around with bats. Okay. You just, you just immediately, or the number of people that are like, yeah, well, you know, I got bitten by that stray animal or that wildlife, you know, and, and, but I'm fine, you know, and it's like, you don't know that you're fine, man. Anyway. Okay, so, sorry. I See, I... (sighs) (laughs) All right. Sorry. I got off track on a little rant just there, but so, yeah. (sighs) I have completed my venting. Now, but this is why it's so important. We have to talk about these sorts of issues because we need to make it less easy for the public to brush off or minimize these risks. Uh, particularly the risk of rabies associated with bats. Mm -hmm. So today I'm going to share information from a December 2022 article written by Ingrid Hine for MedPage Today and from the CDC's Morbidity and Mortality Weekly Report from that same month and year. In August of 2021, a seven-year-old boy was playing outdoors near his home in Texas. He was bitten by a bat. Though he told his parents about the incident, there was no visible bite wound, and the boy's family was unaware of the significant risks associated with contact with bats. He seemed fine. So they didn't go to the doctor, they didn't report it, they didn't think anything of it. They were just like, well, it'll be fine because we don't even see a place where it could have bitten him. Two months later, the boy's symptoms started. He was initially evaluated for right arm pruritus, that means itching, and pain and he was treated with steroids. The next day, he developed a rash on the right side of his head, right scapular area, right hand, and right arm, and his pain persisted, the pain that he had reported the day before. Shingles was suspected, and an antiviral was prescribed. The day after that, he developed delusions and worsening pruritus, then later in the day, nausea, fever, hypersalivation, and altered mental status. Oh, no. A central nervous system infection was suspected because of those obvious clinical signs. Mm -hmm. But testing for all of the usual suspects that you would think of creating central nervous system infection in a child that age, they were all negative. And on the third day of hospitalization, infectious disease specialists began to suspect rabies infection after they collected a detailed history because that is when they first learned of the whole incident with the bat two months earlier. Mm. Though experimental treatments, including intrathecal human rabies immune globulin, were attempted, the child died 22 days after the onset of symptoms. An additional 57 individuals then met the criteria for suspected or known exposure to infectious secretions in this case. That included family members, community contacts, including those at school and extracurricular activities, and the medical staff who treated the boy. Mm. Viral RNA testing revealed that the rabies virus found in the child was consistent with the type found in the Mexican free-tailed bat, which is the most commonly reported rabid animal in Texas. Mm. The CDC's report directly addresses the risks that bats pose. Bites might not leave observable puncture marks, and given the high risk for rabies virus transmission from bats, post-exposure prophylaxis is recommended for any bat contact 
when a bite or a scratch cannot be ruled out. So that means if a bat has in any way come into contact with your skin, you need to go. If you wake up and a bat is in the room where you've been asleep, you, you need, need to, to go. go. Yeah. Okay. Any bat contact, you need to go. Although dogs cause more rabies in humans worldwide, and that's about 59,000 cases a year, bats cause the most rabies in the United States. The CDC's report concludes, quote, This case serves as a reminder that rabies virus is still present in the United States and that exposures to bats and other mammalian wildlife should always prompt a consultation with public health officials or medical providers. It is important to inform animal control or local public health officials when bats build roosts within and around human dwellings. Post-exposure prophylaxis is highly effective and should be administered as soon as possible after an exposure to prevent rabies. And you can learn more about rabies from our in-depth episode on the topic. It was back in Season 1, Episode 14, titled, A Very Big Deal. Wow. Yeah. Rabies deaths still happen. Mm -hmm. So, do not be lulled into a false sense of security. No. Don't play with bats. Don't play with bats. If your cat or dog brings up a bat in its mouth, you need to take the animal to the vet and take yourself to the doctor. Okay. Mm -hmm. If you've handled the bat, just just don't touch them. Mm -hmm. Don't handle them. Don't go near them. Don't touch them. Don't do it. Don't touch any bats. Don't touch bats. Don't do it. He says, okay. (laughs) Since that was a really heavy topic and we're coming up towards the last few minutes of our episode... The next thing that I have for you is also my favorite thing, a heartwarming animal story. Not necessarily the listener's favorite thing, (laughs) but you're going to listen to this damn heartwarming story, okay? Sorry. It's just the way that it is. Okay. JJ. Mm -hmm. The Oklahoma Museum of Osteology, Mm -hmm. which is the only skeleton museum in the United States. Mm has named their black domestic short hair cat, Sir Indiana Bones, as Employee of the Month for May 2023. <laughs> now, I came across this on TikTok. Okay, of course I did, right? Yeah. Where he is currently going viral on TikTok because although he has had social media in the past, he has his own TikTok account now where you can watch videos of his honorary ceremony. And it's at Sir Indiana Bones, like B-O-N-E-S. Did you send me that? I don't. Yeah, maybe. You better. Yes, I think I did. I can't remember, JJ. So, the Oklahoma Museum of Osteology is a bone museum. (laughs) They, uh, They display over 450 skeletons from species from around the world. Sorry, that was a dog noise. Sorry, Ben. Sorry. <laughs> so he probably just, yeah, he was like, woo! <laughs> Absolutely. Okay. So that is my favorite thing. I'm going to have to look that up. Yeah, because this cat is super cute. <laughs> <sighs> he also apparently has just managed to catch his first mouse at the museum, which I think was his whole job, but he wasn't that great at it. <laughs> so. In part, they gave him Employee of the Month because he finally executed the job that he was 
like brought in for exactly he did big he was such a good job at preventing i mean i did you do have to control rodents at a bone museum that seems pretty important yeah (laughs) uh awkward you don't want them swinging from something no or gnawing gnawing on the (laughs) like do not gnaw on the display please don't okay well jj Mm -hmm. what is your favorite thing today so, my favorite thing is something that I actually got done a couple months ago. It has a weird little bit of a backstory, but just about everybody, female anyway, on the on my mom's side of the family, we all got tattoos. Okay, y'all had a family tattoo day. We did. Okay. It was very interesting because the guy basically opened a shop up on a Sunday, and it was just all of us in there. Wow. We brought food. Um, one of the girls brought, like, clothes she cleaned out her closet, and we were, like, you know, trying them on for hand-me-downs while wow. people were getting tattoos. I mean, this was, like, the most southern thing you can imagine. <laughs> so, wait, wait, wait. Also so this wasn't tattoos. like y'all all got drunk and went to get a tattoo. This was pre-planned. No, no this was planned okay. out over a period of months. So, we all got mules, and here's why. So, my mom... You, sorry, I just... I know this is a serious story. Yes. However, when you said we all got mules, I was thinking, like, the drink. No. Say, but you're saying you got, we got images of mules. Yes. A donkey, like, an ass, however you want to call it. Everyone got a, an ass. A donkey, an, an ass, ass tattoo. Yes. yes. Okay. Here's why. Okay. Uh, So, my mom had two sisters. So, there was three of them, the trio. And my dad lovingly referred to them as the Mule Sisters because he said they were all stubborn. And, of course, they, uh, you know, have various offspring. And, unfortunately, of the three sisters, there's only one remaining. Mm. And um, so she got a tattoo, of course. And her mule has a little one on its hoof. Pretty much all of us got these done over the period of the day. some people got the same ones. Some got different ones. Mine, of course, I had to be a little bit different. Mine's wearing glasses because it's a smart ass. But the guy that did them was incredibly nice. We, we gave him lots of money and a sandwich. So All right. Yep. Sounds was, like a fair trade. And we're all planning on going back because several of us want to get a different tattoo. And um, it's kind of like our way of, you know... We're bonded, we're related, and we're stubborn. <laughs> Although I still say all the men in the family are way more stubborn. But Well, I mean, it sounds like you guys have really embraced that label. Mm-hmm. It's a way to turn turn it around. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and to kind of, you know, permanently memorialize the, the original trio. Yeah. That's sweet, JJ. And, yes, very Southern to mm-hmm. have a potluck yard sale tattoo it was experience yes amazing (laughs) amazing i think that that's how everyone should get tattooed yeah it was great i got tons of great videos and like one of us would be on the table and just kind of laying on our stomachs on the table listening to the family gossip and sharing a chicken salad sandwich and (laughs) listening to classic rock because that's what the guy was playing on his little spotify <laughs> well, that's super awesome yeah it was a great day <laughs> lots of lots of good memories for that day 
That's a fantastic favorite thing. Mm-hmm. It's really good. What shows? Uh, well, mine was the yeah. Indiana Bones. Oh, okay. I thought yeah. that was just a heartwarming story. Okay, well, but it it is a heartwarming story, but it was going to serve as mine because I... Well, I mean, I feel like I've talked a lot already this episode. <laughs> okay. I feel like we don't need to hear from me additionally. <laughs> but we enjoy hearing from <laughs> Sure. My favorite thing is that Fizzgig is super excited that I'm here. Mm-hmm. And he's like, sniff, 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 lick, lick, lick. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Please pay attentions to me. He is an attention whore for sure. Can you speak? Can you speak? <laughs> oh, you speak again? Yes, yes. Oh, good boy. All right, guys. If you have questions, cases, stories, or anything else you'd like for us to read, please send it to introvetspodcast at gmail.com. And you can find us on social media. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok, and it's at introvets. And don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. It really does help. Yep, yep. And we'll see you next time. Bye. Say bye, Fiskick. <laughs> oh, oh, good boy. boy. <laughs>